Hello, welcome to another Rahalastapa, this week with Robert's Webb's Robert Webb. It's his third time on the show. This one was recorded remotely, of course, because we were deep in the heart of lockdown. Remember that? What was that all about? Remember we all stayed inside and didn't come out? Why? What were we thinking? Uh, we're allowed out now. Go and lick each other in the face. Everything's fine. They have a cure. Uh, if you enjoy these podcasts, please tell your friends about them. Um, and uh, just by listening to them with the adverts, you are helping us out. So thank you if you're doing that. Um, if you would like to make an actual contribution, why not become a monthly badger? Go com slash badges. Loads of extras, including backstage interviews and chance to win prizes and much, much more. Um, you can... Link your Twitch accounts and Amazon Prime account and give us £5 a month without any cost to yourself. It'd be lovely if you did that. If you look in the videos at Herring1967 on YouTube, you can find out how to do that if you're confused. Do remember to resubscribe. Thank you to everyone who has given us free money from Ian, Ian Amazon. And you can pay your own money there as well if you want, which a few of you have done. So thank you for that. Uh, Twitch TV keeps going. Twitch.tv slash Herring. Various things going on uh, there, including recording Rahalastapas every Wednesday at 8pm. So you can tune in, watch them live before they're edited down to nothing and we take out all the contentious bits. Thanks for watching and listening. Let's sit back, relax and enjoy Rahalastapa with Robert Webb. Welcome to Richard's Attic. Please welcome a man who's been wearing a bum bag on his face. It's Richard Herring. Hello, here I am. It wasn't me just crouching down. I hope you can all uh, hear me and everything's going okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Richard Herring's Lava Submerging Trauma podcast, which is based on... Uh, I did talk about this on the Twitch stream uh, earlier in the week, but um, I've been homeschooling my daughter because I'm an amazing parent, uh, as well as trying to work and keep the house tidy i'm an incredible uh and uh my daughter was wanting to watch uh, someone playing minecraft on youtube uh and i said she couldn't do that i said she had to draw something and she went and i took the ipad off her and she went fine and she went to the table and then very quickly like so fast just got and drew this picture uh and then brought it to me and said there you are and shoved it in my face she said that's it and then she said that's you falling in some lava uh, and that she was angry with me, which I thought was quite funny. It's quite good lava. And then she took it back off me and she said, wait. And then she drew very, very quickly this little green thing here and she said, that is a crocodile and you're falling into the mouth of a crocodile. There it is, which was, you know, a nice... It's a very good crocodile. There it is. I'll put it that way up. I mean, if you had to draw a crocodile in two seconds, you couldn't do better than that. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that's exactly me, but the hair's nearly me. You have to watch this on video. It looks a bit like a crossed-out cock, the lava, but it's still good. Um, so she's funnier than I am. She kind of That was a brilliant diss back to me. Also, quite a good emergency question. Uh, I think I might ask my guests that today. Would you rather be uh, eaten by a crocodile or uh, submerged in a pool of lava? Because it's kind of, in a way, you think, well, the crocodile's saving me from going in the lava, but then is being eaten by a crocodile better than going into lava or worse? It would be a more painful, well, a slower death. Anyway, but I was hanging around with some uh, 4G conspiracy theorists. They're great guys. Uh, they think that... Uh, 5G, rather, conspiracy theorists. Uh, they think... Uh, and some, there were some 4G ones there as well. They weren't as popular. Uh, and uh, they, no, they, they, I said to them, do you not think it's weird Boris Johnson has rolled out this 5G thing but then gets the coronavirus that's caused it? And they say, no, that's what they want. You think that's all part... They had an answer for everything. Anyway, they call it Rahalastapa and they call 5G Fugger. And 4G forget as well. That's what they do. Uh, yeah, and I've been wearing a bum bag as a mask. I don't really have anything to wear as a mask. I went into Hitchin the other day. I've been to the supermarket. That's the only time I've been out of the house and out of the village. And uh, I had to go and have an MOT because I'd forgotten to do it. And I thought you could extend it at the end of the month. And then I found out I should have done my MOT in January. I usually do it in April. I don't know what had happened. Uh, and so I had to take it in. And then I had to walk around Hitchin, and I thought, well, I haven't got anything to wear. And then I found a, the bum bag I use for running. It goes around your stomach, not your bum. And it's quite good. You can put it around your face, and uh, it's quite breathable. But, you know, if you told me in January, you know, you'll be walking around Hitchin Town Centre with a bum bag on your face, I would have said you were mad. But there's a lot of things like that, aren't there? Uh, if you told, said to Captain Tom in January, you know, you'll earn 20, 30 million pounds before May is, comes around and you'll be at number one. He would have probably said, no, that's, that's quite unlikely. 
Me One versus Me Too Snooker is going to be on the BBC. If you'd told me that three weeks ago, I'd have said you were mad. But that there you go. It's a tra- crazy world. What crazy things are happening to you uh, that wouldn't have happened? Um, oh, good to see you. Congratulations to Boris Johnson. Sort of the headlines he's had... Uh, had a, is it him and his girlfriend have had a, a baby. But, I mean, if they're going to make that headline news, that is going to waste... You know, that's practically every day that's going to happen, isn't it? It's somewhere, so... Uh, and I was watching Sliding Doors on uh, Sunday, which may come up again with uh, my guest, because it's John Hannah. No, no, got, no. But now I've said that, I, that's wrong, and it's to say I wish it was. I don't wish it was, because John, I I, John Hannah was terrible in that film. Um, and I've decided after seeing Sliding Doors that I'm going to try and make... Try and get to a point where sh- saying the word shagging instead of fucking, like, not for shagging, but, you know, fucking hell, or this is a fucking disgrace, because in Sliding Doors, they obviously, to get around some kind of PG certificate, they say shagging, this is shagging ridiculous. Um, I want to try and popularise that, make that more popular than saying fucking, so that when people watch Sliding Doors in ten years' time, as I'm sure they will, it will seem normal that people are saying that, and it won't take you out of the film and make you think, why were they saying that? I have a lot of problems with Sliding Doors... As you know, you can watch the, uh, my director's commentary of it if you want still uh, in the videos on Twitch. Um, but we may, we may get on to that uh, as uh, there is a little crossover with uh, my guest's uh, book. What else do I want to say? Um, thank you for everyone who subscribed on Twitch. It's very easy to do. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you have a free £5 a month that you can give to me out of Ian Amazon's stupid pockets. I want to build a wall and I'm going to make Ian Amazon pay for it. You can see me stone clearing in the morning. You can see me playing snooker in the evening. You can see me commentating on films on Sundays. You can see me playing myself at video games, uh, some just at random times. And you can see me doing Rahalastapas on Wednesday. I haven't got a guest for next week yet, but it'll be someone good. So let's have a little look and see who he is. He is probably best known as the narrator of Family Guy Groundbreaking Gags. That's why we're all here. But, of course, to most of us, We'll always remember him as the host of Robert's Web, whatever else he tries to do. Will you please welcome the amazing Robert Webb, ladies and gentlemen. There he is from Robert's Web. Hello. Robert's Hello. Webb. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm extremely well. How are you? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm all right. I'm getting through it. Um, with a, just me, I, You've stopped drinking. I'm getting through it by starting drinking again and, and drinking too much. But, uh, Our paths will sort of cross in they it. They will, at some yeah, point. yeah. It's shagging ridiculous. It is. See, it's good, isn't it? It'll come, it'll come back. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm already quite into it. Yeah, I think it's, I've been doing it. You know, you're a shag wit and stuff like that. You can, you can <laughs> for shag's sake. Shag off. <laughs> it's good. Um, Mother Have you thought about bringing back Robert's Web in lockdown as a lockdown uh, series that you could do from your no, home? There's a thought. Yeah. yeah, I mean, blimey. Because all you need is... Uh, is all of the researcher, the whole team of what, yeah. what I'd be missing would be the whole team of researchers who are going through Twitter <laughs> yeah, trying yeah. to find amusing things that Kanye had said. Right. If Kanye was even, <laughs> if he even was even alive in 2012 or whenever we did it, uh, and for me to say witlessly uh, sarcastic things. I think this it. is the time you can look through, you can do that yourself. I could do that. I could do that. Myself. You can it write. Might be, it might be almost as good if I did yeah. it myself. You've written books. You can write. You can read out some tweets. Um, uh, what, do, what do you remember much about the narration of Family Guy? Groundbreaking gags, and what were the groundbreaking gags in uh, Family Guy? Uh, I'm sure I gave it my all, and I sounded <laughs> like I was really into the groundbreaking. How did they break ground? I, I don't maybe know. I explained at some point, but no, I'm afraid that that particular information about just why that ground got broken by Family oh. Guy has el- now eludes me. Oh. All right, well, I'll ask you my new emergency question written by my daughter unknowingly. Would you rather fall into a pool of lava or, at the last minute, be eaten by a crocodile instead of falling into the pool of lava? I think it's got to be headfirst into the lava because that's the faster death. I mean, the crocodile sounds like... I mean, it would be even slower than, like, when Quint buys the farm at the end of Jaws, and that (laughs) looks pretty flipping, shagging, painful. So when all the blood comes out... I was allowed to watch that film on the telly when I was about eight, (laughs) and... Yeah, that ending was... That, that stayed with me. I think with the crocodile as well. The crocodile is in the lava, if you look, uh, if you look at the... Yes, I can um, see. And, 
Is it, so it's a crocodile that doesn't mind lava? Well, really? I don't know. Or is when you go into the crocodile, it'll eat you, and then the crocodile will be burnt up by the lava, and then because you will be, you'll still be sentient as you'll be, ah, I'm eating that, and then in the crocodile's gut, you'll, will then be burnt up as well. So I think it's probably better just go straight in the lava. Because if the, if the crocodile, if, the, if it was one of those crocodiles that doesn't have any teeth and you can survive inside the crocodile and, it's, and the crocodile is lava-proof, yeah. that's the best yeah. place to be. Really. Yeah, if you can sw- swim, you could get your arms into its legs and swim, yeah, swim out be, like that. It could be fun. It could be a whole new thing. That's a way through. Good. Well, that's, that's all I really wanted to talk to you about was those, those things. So thanks for coming well, along. it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for coming to my attic. Oh no, you're in your attic. It's been as easy. Always. It's easy. I've got the same. I've nearly the same dressing gown as you. Nearly. I um, like it. It's an accident, but I've got. I think this is the room that I laughingly call my study. But I think it's a bit of a giveaway that I've got a dressing gown <laughs> in it. Uh, but I. But I like the way that the stripiness of my dressing gown also yeah, yeah. slightly complements the more horizontal stripes of the picture behind me. Yeah, so it does work you know, it's almost as if it's all thought out. It isn't. But you should sit when you're working in your study. You should sit in a dressing gown, smoking a pipe. As you're, as you're ruminating, thinking about jokes, yes. that would be good. Yes, well, normally I dress for dinner every time I sit down to write, like uh, like Lord Byron. I mainly, you know, dress up in a three-piece three suit, in a three-piece suite, actually. Yeah, I dress up good. in upholstery, be. uh, because that's how wacky I am. <laughs> so, look, I've been uh, reading your books. I was forced to actually read, because the audiobook of your book is not yet out. Doesn't exist. So I usually read. The, I usually have the audiobooks, but you know what? It was I've read the whole fucking shagging, sorry thing. It's, it's even difficult to do, even when I'm trying to popularise it. In a day, I started at um, I'd say about ten o'clock, and I have done other things as well. I finished by just at five o'clock, so it took me six or seven hours to read the whole thing, and I read the whole thing more or less in one sitting. Very in shagging, impressive. And I was I was up at five o'clock this morning, so I was very tired. Uh, and I, I've, I've not read a book for a long time and got very far with it. I was gripped. It was very exciting. It's in my wheelhouse of interests. It's about, uh, as I was saying to you beforehand, it's, uh, before we started, I'm, I'm doing a uh, sitcom slash book about alternate universes, which is partly about the choices we make uh, and how with lovers and how they could have been... They could, if fate had intervened, they could have been different. If you met people in a different <laughs> order, you could, it could be a different. Which is sort of what your thing. So your your it's a bit like Good Night Sweetheart meets Sliding Doors meets uh, 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 Bobby Ewing falling asleep and dreaming a whole series. Truly of madly, truly madly deeply meets One Day meets Back to the Future <laughs> meets any films with you know what we're doing by now. Yeah, sort of Groundhog Day. I think it's a neat thing. It's got a neat uh, gimmick of, of doing of, of it sort of sort of being a dream, but not being a dream and being too real to be a dream. But uh, uh, you're getting that chance to go back to university times, which again, I'm very fascinated by that sort of period in your life where you're left school and sort of starting out in the world. Uh, and so basically, I, I'm allowed to say so, uh, so much. I don't want to give too much away, but I think it's fair enough to say that a, a woman who's lost her husband, who she met at university, oh, gets the chance uh, yeah, to go yeah. back to to meet yeah. him again and try and warn him that he is going to die in 28 years. Yes, yeah, that's that's it. Kate, uh, Kate Marsden, our heroine, she lost her husband Luke uh, about nine months ago. They met when they were kids. They met when they were. Uh, the first week of uh, the University of York, but she he died recently and she's not getting better. Uh, she's in terrible trouble. One day she wakes up, she's 18 years old, she remembers everything, she's in her college room. This was the week, in fact, this was the day that she met Luke for the first time. But she knows how he died, she knows he's already ill, she thinks she's there to warn him. Uh, she's going to try and do everything exactly the same, hence yeah. comedy. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, there's, some, there's exactly some. I mean, there always is with this sort of stuff. But there's some good philosophy in there. And I really like the um, the fact that she's as she is still the the mind of a 45 year old woman with all those experiences inside the body of a 18 uh, year old. Um, is that cheating? If you know, hold on, we won't go on to that. Uh, then um, you know, she 
she, she sort of doesn't really fall for him in the same way, or she sort of sees through his pretensions that yeah, because that he's, would, he's yeah. not the he's not the middle aged man that she loves. He's the annoying nineteen year old English student that she first met. In fact, she kind of went out with him despite his personality to start with, because <laughs> um, he's very good looking, and it's okay to be that shallow when you're a teenager. But um, but then they stay together, and uh, you know, and part of what made him the man that he became was his relationship with her. So when, you know, because we affect each other over 28 years, obviously you're, you're a big influence on you, um, on whoever you're with, even for not as ridiculously long as that. But, um, so yeah, he's, she meets her and she's forgotten all of these fucking, sorry, shagging, um, uh, <laughs> affectation. And he's still pretending to be French and he's still pretending to have read books that he hasn't read. And he's still gaslighting people. And he's full of all of this kind of affectation and bullshit, uh, except when she gets him on a, on his own and then she tries to tell him and that conversation kind of happens in the middle of the book and it, it does not go well. No. It's very evocative, I think, of that. I mean, again, it's, for people of our rough generation, of uh, it's a, the 80s and 90s students, uh, it's very... That middle section is very evocative of that time and the student unions and the, and the kind of people you met at that time and... Uh, the kind of people who, if they weren't your mates, would you'd find really annoying. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you can tell that, you know, that sometimes you can see on the faces of other people that the people you were with were behaving badly or obnoxiously and actually, but it's fine because he's my friend. I'm talking about David Mitchell, of course, and how <laughs> outrageous and obnoxious he could become in his cups. Um, but it's not an accident that it's set in 1992 because that's, that's when I was a fresher yeah. and so I didn't have to do that much detailed research. I remember you know, the, uh, something of, of the clothes and the music and the atomic dustbin and everyone wearing T-shirts yeah. over long sleeve tops and all that stuff. And the 90s generally is sort of interesting. I mean, it was, to me, certainly in, when I wrote this in 2018, 2019, and, I, and the whole thing was Trump and Brexit, and I thought, I'm going to daringly write something set in the present day and I'm not going to mention Brexit. Um, and, it, and it felt like, oh, the early 90s is this kind of golden era of massive boredom that it was, you know, there were loads of things that were wrong with it, but it wasn't just totally fucking weird the way I thought. The way I thought 2018, 2019 was fucking weird. Little did I know <laughs> it was about to get lethally uh, much weirder, but um, there we are. So anyway, it, the, the book is kind of suspicious about nostalgia at the same time as enjoying a bit of nostalgia. But, you know, it is, well, you know because it, it, the changes... No, and that's where again, like you say, 30, 20, 30 years. Uh, I you know I remember that thing of queuing up, for, having to queue up for the telephone. There was two telephones, yeah. I think, in the college, and you had to queue up for them. And if someone stayed in there for ages, you just had to wait for them. If you got messages, they were stuck up on the, like a little board in the, yeah, in right, the entrance. And like one of the messages I got was um, for Rich Terring, "Can you tell him his granddad has died?" <laughs> that was just. It wasn't even. You know, can your you granddad's him? like, can you tell him? They just throw down, can you tell him his granddad has died? Uh, I knew my granddad was all going those, to die, but it was still... People, all those people who think their granddad hasn't just died <laughs> take one step forward. Where the fuck are you going, Richard Herring? But it's, you know, but it's funny because they're, they're just sort of thinking back to that time, which obviously you must have done, uh, you know, the people you just randomly meet and the, 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 she meets them in a different order and, and that sort of changes her priorities with them a little bit. But, you know, you randomly make connections, that exact thing you talk about, some people you meet and then you think, oh, maybe this will be the friend that I have yeah, for the rest of my life. And, and, and the people you do become friends will be the friends of your rest of life, probably the more, most important friends of your life from that particular period. Yeah, um, this is a sort of crackpot lottery of Freshers Week, isn't it? Yeah, that that yeah. you were sort of talking to someone and you and you slightly, well, I speak for myself, but I was slightly on edge whenever I met a new person in my year at that college because, or certainly doing the same subject, am I talking to someone whose funeral I will one day attend or whose children <laughs> I will be godfather to? Yeah. Or is this another person that I will for, have forgotten the name <laughs> of by next Tuesday? You, you, you were thinking that at the time, were you? Do you remember thinking No, that? I wasn't thinking that. No, you're right, no, I wasn't you thinking know, that yeah, at the yeah. time. I wasn't at all. I thought they were all going to be my yeah. best friends. <laughs> <laughs> but thought, no, it's, sort of, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird thought to think about how, you know, how, how those choices and that that random luck. And what I like about the book is that the randomness of encounters, if one thing changes, then everything changes, which a lot of these sliding doors style time travel ideas, alternate universe ideas don't get. I'm not, I won't talk about the end of the book. I'm not 100% happy with the end of the book. That's what I'm going to say to you. 
but yes, I can't well, talk. I, mean, about, I, mean, I can't talk yeah, about it because I don't, don't want to give away what happens. Yeah, but. well, this will sound like a it will sound like a cop out, but I keep thinking of the the reply Mark Hamill uh, got from Harrison Ford. Mark Hamill was coming out of the filming Star Wars, as we call it, or A New Hope, as proper fans probably call it. And you know, Luke Skywalker's just all wet from escaping from the monster in the trash compactor, and he comes out. And he's, apparently he's, he tells this story. He said to Harrison Ford, but my hair's still wet and it should be, I'm sorry, my hair should be still wet. Why is it all dry? And Harrison Ford goes, it's not that kind of movie. And, you know, it's, it's <laughs> it not is. that kind of, you know, if they, if they care about his hair being uh, not wet, then then something's gone wrong with Star Wars. And, yeah. and in the same way, it's this is, I've written an adventure story. Really, yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. it's, no, it's, uh, it's You can tell that I'm not massively interested in the whole sci-fi <laughs> Paradox. But, I yeah. think you do. I think you know, but I think generally it's is and it's very strong in that though. That's what that and I just think, um, and it, you know, and it's fine for you to do what you do at the end. It is actually, of course, it is. But just from my own very, this is my actual wheelhouse of all I care about in my life is all okay. the universe <laughs> and time travel. And so I'm going to give you ninety eight percent on it. I'm just gonna, oh, well, so you know, I'll I'm not, that. not. That's not a bad score. Sliding but, doors. Gets four percent. Sliding doors with uh, John Hanna, who's yeah. great in a couple of other things, yeah, loads of other things I've seen yeah, him in. But unfortunately, he has the thankless task of playing the character who we're supposed to think is likable and funny because he goes to dinner parties and he does impressions of Monty Python uh, sketches. Don't, don't get me started. While getting all kind of red in the face. And you're, <laughs> calm down, love. What are you doing? Why do people think that's good? Shut your shagging face. <laughs> You could repurpose it very. I think you know. There's that um, Mrs. Doubtfire, Doubtfire trailer that someone's done of it as, as a sort of sinister thriller. Where <laughs> yeah, you seen that? Right. You could easily do that with sliding doors and him being a terrible stalker. He's there's bits where he's staring at her with his. He's just he behaves very oddly. And uh, as I this time I've watched it many times. I've watched it on Sunday, and this time I sort of realised. That the you know the, they're alternate universes. It's not like one of them disappears at the end. We go into one of them and they meet again. But in the other one, John Hannah has just met someone, lied to them completely unnecessarily. Could have just told her that he was married and it wouldn't have been an issue because he was getting divorced. Uh, that's led to a chain of events that gets her a spoiler alert. Uh, though I think the film is already spoiled already by him losing her and his unborn child. So in his that universe, and, and I guess his mum would die in that universe as well. And I guess for the rest of his life, John Hanna is just a, 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 a just a wreck. And two babies die in the film. You know, it's not a romantic it, comedy. Yeah. Two babies die it in the film. It leaves a nasty taste. That's yeah. a, that is a bad. That's bad energy. I'm yeah. getting bad karma from that. It is. So um, I did not enjoy it. Uh, yeah, John Hanna. It's the women characters all make sort of things that men would say about women comments, which uh, I'm pleased to say. Well, you've got a female protagonist in your. In your novel, and I think yes. she's I think she's a very a well rounded and uh, female character written by a man with you cannot say about the female characters in sliding doors a that one of them finds a man who does the Spanish Inquisition sketch yeah sexually attractive that I would, mean, that would never happen Robert yeah I mean that no it, it would never happen no the, the thing the important thing to do with the female um, protagonist is to make sure she has a dysfunctional relationship with her mother yes and then you're fine. And then everyone believes, oh, all right, all right, I, I was worried about this this character, and then it turns out our mum's a nightmare. Now I believe it. <laughs> so that's that's my that's my top tip. Yeah, I would like to see. I I really really love the. I lo I, re I thought it was all good. I really love the middle section, and I th you sort of feel like there's so much to explore in that idea of being able to go back to 1992, or in my case, 1987, I suppose, and. You know, like, and meet the people. Got her going to see a dad who's now dead as well, and I could go and see my granddad and say, "That was good. To you. You're not dead anymore." Um, just at the beginning, uh, uh, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of interesting things in that, uh, in that idea. I mean, I think I spent my whole life kind of yearning to go back to have another crack at being I think eighteen it's or a, nineteen. I think it's a very, very common daydream. But then you sort of, if you think about it logically, as you will have done if you're writing this kind of thing, that after the first five seconds, you realise it would be, it probably wouldn't be very nice at all. You'd be very, very lonely. It'd be a massively, massively isolating thing. thing. Yeah. You'd have yeah. all of this, this pre-knowledge and foreknowledge, rather. And then you're, you're surrounded, surrounded by, and certainly in Kate's position, she's surrounded by all of her lifelong friends, none of whom know who she is. 
including her future dead husband, <laughs> she's being introduced to for the first time. He's said, it's Kate, isn't it? And it's all of that is, um, you know, very, it's, it's, it's a really lonely thing. So I think it would be horrible. Of course, the, the daydream goes completely wrong as soon as you have kids. It's one of, just one of the reasons that Kate doesn't, I didn't give Kate, ch- I didn't give Kate children. See, as I talk <laughs> like a novelist, I'm going full Patrick Marver. Any minute now, I should become incredibly grand. Um, she she can't have kids because, you know, as soon as you go back to my house, she will be completely out of her mind with anxiety about what's happened to my children. Yeah, and yeah. in the same way, you can't really, the whole, let's go back in time, what would you change, doesn't work. Because if you don't meet your current partner when you met them and conceived those kids when you did before you've, before you've done anything, you've bumped off your kids by accident. Yeah. So, but you've bumped off all those other kids by not having sex with the, your partner or other people at this, a different time. So think of all the kids you've killed. You're worse than uh, Joey from Bread, you are. <laughs> yeah. only, he only killed two kids. You've killed an infinite number of children. I was thinking about Joey from Bread the other yeah. night yeah. as I tried to get to sleep, but that didn't help. <laughs> there were six in that family. There was, there was Joey. Yeah. There was the big one, the little one, the fat one, the good-looking one, and the woman. Yeah, there was the woman one as well, yeah. I never, never really got into Bread. No. Um... But uh, Carla Lane did some excellent uh, sitcoms as well as some weird. Butterflies was great. Butterflies was very good. There we go. Um, and uh, well, let's talk. I mean, I you've, you have talked about this in the press. I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but um, oh. the, the slightly uh, chilling thing about the book, and this has happened to me quite a lot when I've been writing, is uh, the character who goes on to die is a writing books, uh, trying to write a book, and he sort of writes a book which almost predicts, or it seems to be aware that. There's something inside him that might kill him, uh, mm. but he doesn't really realise. But then he, that it does kill him. And as you were writing this book, or just after you'd written this book, you discovered that you had something within you that was. I had something very wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. no, I. Um, it's so you know the book is about Kate, but um, Luke, um, we see a bit of Luke, and Luke obviously is this uh, her middle-aged husband who drops dead at the age of forty-seven um, while he's emptying the dishwasher because he's had a. a, a um, very, very slow-growing meningioma, a uh, brain tumour. It is possible to have a tumour that he's had since before he she met him. Um, uh, and then it turned out, and the, uh, the book was finished, and then it turned out I went to uh, a routine medical for the second series of Back, um, you know, the uh, sitcom I do with David. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they're usually very perfunctory affairs. A GP just tells you a cough and you're out of there. He just put a stethoscope on my heart. And said, oh, that blinding, what are we doing about the heart murmur? And I said, genuinely, what heart murmur? Yeah. Uh, and then when the studio laughter had died down, uh, he said, you've got a really pronounced murmur. I didn't even know what a heart murmur was. It just means it sounds fucking weird, shagging weird when uh, when he's listening to it. There's something wrong going on. And then yeah. I saw a cardiologist and had various tests. The cardiologist said, um, well, you're not going to have a heart attack in the next fortnight. But uh, if we don't fix this uh, over the next two or four or six months, this heart will fail. So that got my attention. Uh, so it turned out I needed, uh, and it wasn't something they can fix with pills. I need, and it's not something they do with sort of interesting new keyhole surgery. If you're young enough and you haven't had surgery, this kind of surgery before, the best outcomes come from open heart surgery. So that's what happened on the 1st of November last year and um yeah so i've written this book about uh, a character who has this kind of lurking thing that's massively wrong with him yeah uh and i'm i'm completely open to the idea that was my imagination trying to tell me something i I wish it had been a bit less subtle (laughs) but um but yeah i think that's that's what was going on yeah i mean you wrote about it in the observer i think this weekend it's last weekend and it's a very uh moving and interesting piece i mean it made me feel I mean, that the whole idea of that. So I, I did once go and have a medical and... Or not the same thing happened because I was OK in the end, but they stopped, They were doing the, the heart stuff and testing my heart and then they sort of, they stopped and they looked a bit concerned and then went out of the room and I was sitting there about five minutes thinking, oh, well, they went and got a running machine next. They came and said, we can't carry on the medical because you've got an unusual heartbeat and we're going to have to send you to hospital and... And then, so I know. I think partly because I'd, I'd been through that experience of just that moment where you go, oh fuck, oh fuck, you know, I, yeah. I might be about to die, yeah, uh, or you know, be in big, big trouble. 
Uh, as it turned out, I just my heart just beats in a stupid way. It's, I, have a, I have a funny heart. It's meant to do. It goes down instead of up on one bit, and it's always done it. And it's they they did a three D model of my heart, you know, on the computer and all that nice. stuff. And it's all all right, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the idea of the, 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 getting that moment where you where you given that news, but also then having to go through a, a very very intense procedure like that is, I mean. Is it? Has it made you? Has it? I mean, you're right about kind of appreciating life now. You've, you're out the other end, but did, was it? What, what kind of um, you know effect did it have on you before everything was was through? Were you sort of thinking, I've got to get my affairs in order, and this yeah, could be no, it? I mean, there was this. There was this really. Weird, I mean, that was the hardest bit, really. There was this weird sort of two and a half week period in between when I knew what was going on and before I had the operation, where I was just quite sort of creeping around at home quietly, trying not to have a heart attack. Yeah, well, that's the terrifying thing. You go, it's not going to be probably the next two weeks, but it could be the next three months. You go, what if it's I now? Even, what if it just happens after yeah. you walk out of the office? And I even, um, I did, I did uh, about a week and a half on back. Right. I, I turned up for it because, you know, you know what it's like, years of conditioning of, of, you know, you must not, you cannot miss a day's location shoot. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's impossible to reorganise this. You've got 50 <laughs> people standing around with nothing to do if you're not there. Uh, you know, just, you've had this for 20 years and you kind of go, I can't, well, obviously, obviously I've got to finish back before I have the heart operation, right? I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean, they can't. And then, you know, <laughs> and then gradually, and they were, they were, brilliant and the producer especially Lindsay robinson the first day i went in there because i'd only found out the day before and i went in for the first day and i she came into my trailer and i told her and she said forget about work and that was the first and pretty much the only time i really really cried because she's saying because it's a hell of a thing to say because she's the person who's got to you know got this ridiculously complicated job of reorganizing uh the schedule if you lose one of the main actors yeah and they're going to shoot every which is what they did they shot uh, they shot for three and a half weeks with no uh me yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the the idea was after four months i would come back and they'd shoot all of my bits right uh and um uh which we nearly finished and then obviously the virus kicked and we had to stand down because of the virus so you know it's it's a slightly ill-fated production <laughs> we'll probably get another three scenes in the can before the oh, great london oh. tsunami uh, you know, takes it out for another four months. Could you just do those in front of a green screen in your office, just and then? I think those missing scenes. Yeah. Those missing scenes. They should just be claymation. They should just be me and David as sort of morph and chaz, and <laughs> we'll, we'll do the voices. <laughs> it's funny we talked about last time. We were sort of saying glibly talking about death the last time you were on, and saying, oh, you know, when it's it's it'd be tragic if you die in your forties, but in your fifties, it's oh, not as bad in sixties as. But then you know that. So you would have been you. You. This is like. So you're about forty eight now. Are you forty seven, forty eight. Forty seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would so definitely be tragic. That would be sad. I would have been sad if you died. People. People would definitely admire. And you know, hopefully, I'd have got a bit of. Oh, the funny one always dies first. I mean, that's my. <laughs> that's my hope. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I'll take with me. But you know, I won't be around to see whether people say that or not. <laughs> I mean, they probably won't say that. I'll let you know. At least that will be. I'll, I'll let you know I'll be something. Thinking that. I'll send some message through to you. Um, and they, t- you, when they have open heart surgery, they turn, they they have to turn your heart off to do that. Is that right? Oh, they do all, they do all sorts. The video is available if I is want it? to watch it. I'm, I'm really not going to. <laughs> but they, yeah, there's a nice little seven-inch incision here, and then they saw your breastbone, and then they crank it open. So, so when you recover, sorry about that. So then so when you, <laughs> I shouldn't have asked. So I'm so squeamish. All of your ribs and intercostals have all been pushed around in somewhere where they really mustn't be. So you can't sleep on your side for months. Right. So that, that was hard. And and it all, obviously, it all aches and it's all very tender around here. And it's just shit for ages. And you, yeah. You know, they give you painkillers and it's all right, really. And I, it... I was caning the... I, it, I turned out to be aller- not allergic, but the morphine was making me throw up. So they changed it to OxyContin, which was quite Moorish. Okay. Uh, that was quite nice. That was like the one moment I thought, I can't get used to this. <laughs> but only once. And so is it, having done that, is that, is it sort of definitely everything's okay or do you have to keep on looking no, at they're all, they're all very, they're all very pleasing. Carly always says, because like, she, she was saying you've got one of the weirdest hearts I've ever seen because it had to, it had grown and completely changed shape in order to 
keep this show on the road. Mm-hmm. The problem, by the way, was a prolapsed mitral valve. One of the valves had just like this, supposed to open and close like that, and one was just going <laughs> like this. So the heart was having to really massively compensate, and it was about to just give up. Um, but she's uh, saying I've got a normal heart function now and uh, I'm sort of semi-shielding because I'm not quite, even six months after, it's it's such a weirdly traumatic operation that even six months later I'm not really in a condition to, to for you know, 10 rounds with uh, coronavirus. No. So uh, that would still knock me for eight, if not yes. seven. Um, so uh, I have to not get that really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stay in that little office with the... I'll just stay here. With stay my, I've got my dressing gown. <laughs> it's fine. But, you know, I think that's... The, corona, I would, the coronavirus, you're obviously thinking, just as a regular person, like, oh, you know, it's everyone's saying it's old people and he'll be fine. And then it's just sort of gradually become, like, more and more apparent that it's it could be so much worse anyway, but also overweight men, middle-aged men are in quite a bit of danger. And last yeah. week I thought, oh, well, I should, I'll try and lose, I'll, you know, better for the sake of the kids, I better lose some weight and get fit. And I did it for two days and then, you know, I thought, oh, fuck it, I'll drink some beer instead. So... It was so, good, it was really, I mean, it was really useful for me because I was drinking too much yeah, and still yeah. fucking smoke. Well, I've been on and off with the cigarettes, but, um, uh, but I've been, you know, in a sort of, your brain gets hijacked by addiction and you're kind of telling yourself, yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll just, you know, this, on this birthday or this weekend or this anniversary or, the, you know, this will be the moment where I, and um, so it was really good. Like, I mean, it provided a really good gap in the domino topple, which you need sometimes. And they literally turned me off and on again. Yeah, uh, and so you come out of hospital, and the last thing you want to do, a glass of wine just looks like a face full of poison because you, you know, you suddenly have this newfound affection for your internal organs, and you're kind of like, they're my guys now. I've got to look after my guys and, <laughs> and, and not give them all this extra shit to deal with. Well, good. Well, you know, it is. There's a lot of positives there, and it's a very positive article you wrote about. It. It's a bit, it's a really beautifully written article, um, and I'm glad that you, uh, you know, are, are sorting all that stuff out as well. Um, the thing I was going to talk about about the book actually was that I've, it's sort of do you find that as a comedian, being seen as a comedian and actor, when you when you write, there seem to be a few little not digs exactly in the book about critics, but certainly a few comments about critics. Oh, and, critics. Do you find that critics are, are do you find they are a bit snobby towards you trying to write it's a had, novel? It's had uh, uh, universally positive reviews from proper critic in fact i haven't seen a bad review from a normal punter either uh, and i do look um uh, no it's all been nice so far they have to sort of say uh, i i saw a, a financial times review no it was a tls review of how not to be a boy the last book for the first time recently and that was that was quite snotty and that yeah. was kind of somebody brackets probably his publisher has had the idea to make the memoir about masculinity. And actually, no, fuck off. That was my <laughs> idea. I knew perfectly well that no one was going to buy a memoir. I'm not famous enough to write a really boring book about my fucking struggle. It had to be good because it had to be about something. Because otherwise, Anyway, so, you know, occasionally you get, you know, critics go, who reckon they know the genesis of how something happened. And you just go, why are you setting yourself up for such a massively for the author who knows how this happens anyway. Um, but there hasn't been much of that. There was there was a, a guy in the Irish Times who says something about celebrity authors, but then in order to say, but Robert Webb isn't like this. Okay. In which case I kind of go, all right, why, why have a go anyway? But it's fine. I've got nothing to complain about. Yeah. No, but I mean, I, I think it's, sort of it's, the writing's really good. I just sort of, you know, I sort of sometimes think, with comedy as well, people just sort of, you know, people... There's a sort of snobbishness, like in film and and novels, towards something that's funny oh, uh, is somehow yeah. less meaningful or whatever. It just sort of seemed within yeah. the book there was a few. I mean, it's about literary criticism as well as uh, as actual journalistic criticism, but there seemed yeah. to be a few like comments. I thought about yeah, you get you get. I've got a bookseller character who talks about how she's not a literary snob and she looks over the, the, the bestseller table and says there's, there's something to recommend. You know. Uh, all of, the, all of those books would give me... A, I mean, I think that was probably a moment of... Uh, slightly anxious moment of me 
defending this book. <laughs> yeah. so give me a, a, a decent, you know, some intelligence of a brain, some, sorry, some, some evidence of a brain, some evidence of a heart, a joke or two, and I'm happy. And I'm sort of thinking, yes, this is, this is what I'm doing. Because <laughs> I really have just written a book, you know, to, to be as enjoyable as possible. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing I'm going for, enjoyment. And I, it's not going to win any prizes, uh, but it's also not a load of, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very, very carefully crafted and written and it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's full of, inter- it's full of really interesting ideas and I think evocative ideas that will, you know, anyone, you know, anyone who's, uh, who's been 18 or 19, you know, and looks back from any distance at all, you know, from two years or from 30 years or 50 <laughs> years, we'll, we'll, we'll get something out of it. I mean, it's, it is bad about your, um, heart and everything from it but i'd just like to say that i this year i have discovered that i can't um my mind's eye is blind i can't actually visualize anything inside my head so i think you know just get your get your life in perspective mate because i okay. can't no, if i try to visualize an apple i fucking can't i shagging can't visualize it in my head i just think of an apple and think of the word apple and i can't see an apple so really oh, boo-hoo, my heart my heart doesn't work i've got that for life <laughs> um, well, maybe perhaps you can turn that into like drawing. Like, I can't. Can... I mean, I can't. That's why I can't draw because I can't visualize it in my head. Can I? Have you never been able to draw? Not really. You can't no. Visualize apples. I didn't even know I couldn't visualize things until I was perfectly happy not knowing I couldn't visualize things, assuming I could visualize things until I realized I can't visualize things. Okay, I'm going to try and visualize something. Try now. and think of an apple in your head. What are you seeing? Uh, yeah, no, I can see it in quite a lot of detail actually. It's really green and shiny and with a... Okay, a you can nice see 3D or 2D? Oh, 3D, completely 3D. I, know, I can smell it as well. It's fantastic. I'm having a, a whole sensory experience. I'm going to try again and see an apple. Maybe it's just I can't see apples, because it's only when I try to think of an apple. Have you, have you ever seen an apple? <laughs> I've seen them, <laughs> but I can't visualise them now. I know what I can get is, like, it, like I'll get a, fl- a flash of something that is almost an image like almost behind my eyes. So it's still not quite there. So if I think of a face, I can almost sort of see my my wife's or my daughter's face. I, I can I have a feeling of them, but I can't I can't see it. Oh, yeah, I, I have a feeling of what an apple is. It's well, sort of genuinely, touchingly upsetting. It's yeah. really bad for you. And, and probably if there are other people, I mean, you could they, I could imagine you as a group being misunderstood and people well, thinking that you're serial killers and, yeah. and that you're not to be trusted. But no, I, I see it as just a, a, a misfortune, a gift in some ways, because, no, it's not a gift. <laughs> well, I can't be mended, that's the thing. You were mended. Can't I be can't mended. Be, I can't, you can't no, mend. No you can mend a broken Italian heart, so. but you can't mend a broken brain. My brain it's very upsetting. To, I just wish no-one had told me about it, because... You were happy. I was happy, and now I'm just thinking, if I want to visualise an apple, I've got to go downstairs and get a fucking apple and look at it. <laughs> like that, I go, look at it, go, good. That's what Just it try and make sure you're only missing out on visualising things that you can actually go downstairs and, like, not the Taj Mahal. <laughs> I try and visualise it. I'm near, see, oh, I can't, oh, it's sort of in the background. It's, a, it's sort of like that, isn't it? I can think, I, I can know yeah. what it is, but I can't see it. I'm trying, I don't know. I'm trying to picture Lady Diana in front of the Taj Mahal. I think about that picture of Princess Di sitting, yeah. all, looking all lonely... Yeah. In front of the Taj Mahal, I can sort of, I can sort of see that. I'm trying to visualise that now, and I can't visualise it. I can sort of, I say, I can, you know, I've got a little idea of her face then, but it was not. Yeah. It was more like a splodge of ink or something. Oh, this is quite sinister. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you some emergency questions. That's one of the, that's one oh, of them. Yeah. I want to know. Everyone so far, I've talked about that perfect 3D because it's a it's a spectrum. Some people can see 2D. Some people just see a black and white apple. Some can see a little hazy apple. Oh, I'm Some kind of people. moving the camera around. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I've got a whole steady cam thing going on. I can see. Okay. I'll ask you this emergency question, see how you get on with this. Over the last few months, I've watched every episode of How I Met Your Mother. What is the most degrading thing you've done to yourself for no apparent reason? <laughs> uh, most degrading thing done to myself for no apparent can be anything. It's a hard question, Robert. I'll give you that. God, question. I mean, it, you know, it really could be anything. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh, oh, God. I know, it's difficult. Uh, I've given you mine. I'd hate okay, it. My mind's, my mind's a blank. I mean, I, I mean I'm having, I'm literally living, <clears throat> going through a nightmare. The, the nightmare where somebody asks you a question, loads of people are listening, 
No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you can't think of anything. It just I really can't. I can't. Everyone's everyone's just opinion. Opinion. You'll just go down a notch. That's all that's happening. Yeah, I think I think it should. It's good that this isn't being sort of you know like a live thing. Yeah, if it was live, because we can just edit that out. So luckily, so no one will know. No one will know you didn't have a degrading. Hundreds and hundreds of people switch off altogether. It's a hard question. The problem with it, the the ones, the the, the questions that are funny aren't as good as the what questions that aren't funny. Because we've already had a funny question. I'll ask you this instead. I don't think. No, I think it's too long ago you were on before. If you were, if you could have, if all the art galleries and museums in the world got together and said, "We love Robert Webb," we were upset to hear that he had a near-death experience. We would like to make him happy. <laughs> he could choose any one item from any of the museums or art galleries in the world. It can be a painting, it can be a work of art, it can be a historical artifact. One thing that you're allowed to take home from any museum and keep for yours for yourself. What would you like to have? Uh, probably the whole of the Angel of the North. Oh even yeah, it's yeah. not it's not in a museum. No, that it's counts, like on a that hillside. Counts. But I think I'd like to have that on the top of my house. How <laughs> <laughs> do think the people of the North would feel about you taking the Angel of the North well, and putting on a house I, in London? Uh, well, <laughs> probably <laughs> probably quite similar to the people of Greece, the way they feel about the old <laughs> marbles. They might come and get it back. I imagine they'd be quite pissed off. I do love I, the Angel I just, of the North. It would just be on a cultural loan. It would just be, uh, yeah. I'd just be borrowing it. It just, it just comes to West Hampstead once a month. Um, <laughs> and then it was quite a big... When it become the Angel big. of West Hampstead, though, when it was in West Hampstead, would they call it the Angel of West Hampstead? They would call it the Angel of North West Hampstead. <laughs> I think people might be able to work out where you lived. That's the, that's the issue. It would be a bit of a giveaway, yeah. I love but it. I love, the, I love the Angel of the North. That is one of my favourite works of art. Mm. Um, it's, I like the way it, it's rusting. It's sort of rusty. Almost, almost, but presumably he thought of that. Yeah, I think so. I don't think that was an accident. (laughs) (laughs) You'd think, wouldn't you? We should ask him. (laughs) What metal did we make this out of? I thought I said make this out of plastic. Oh, fuck, it's going to be outside. It's going to rain. What happens when it rains? We built this massive fucking thing. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love passing that on the way up, up to old Newquay. It's nice. Newcastle, not to Newquay. Um, very good. Let me see what else I've got for you. What else was I... I've asked you about Robert's Webb, alternate universities. Oh, degrading. So, okay, Robert's Oh, degrading. Have you, got, have you thought of degrading? Yeah, Robert's Webb, yeah. I totally oh, Robert's Webb, yes. by making four editions of Robert's Webb. That was oh. for no reason. That, well, that was okay, money, for, wasn't for it? One, for one reason, money. Was it a no lot of money, that. though, or was it, or was it not it very was, much it, money? It was clearly enough to do okay. at the time. I can't okay. remember. I bet comparative to most of your jobs... It's difficult to indicate, isn't it? Because I guess a job like Robert's Webb probably didn't take much up in in your actual time. <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> I lived and breathed. I lived and breathed Robert Webb. Robert Webb. I had T-shirts. I, it was it was an obsession. When you're that. writing, so you've written this stuff, and I find writing increasingly very difficult. And I and everything is like, if I can do it at the last minute, I can do it. But if I've got time, I just can't get my head around it. Uh, and I think it's partly about getting older. It's partly about getting more embarrassed by your failure and more, you know, getting a, a better writer. It's harder to write shit stuff. You sort of need to write the shit stuff and then change it. How long did it take you to write your book? Because I'd be quite interested. Shagging ages. Was I mean, it? with more off and on, with more off than on, two years. Right. Um, for, I sort of started, yeah, January, February, March of 2018, I spent wandering around the garden going, oh, shit, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, trying to think because I had the I had the premise ages ago uh, uh, for for years. Um, Widow goes back in time meets future dead husband when he's an annoying teenager. Um, but then and that was sort of tagged on to the. I mean, you know, with with your posh literary interviewers who say why why the move from <laughs> from memoir into fiction. You know, what I don't say. The short answer is it was a two book deal. Here's book two, but. Um, <laughs> But there is an artistic, you know, it was, it did seem like a good story and a good idea for a story and, and a, another, a new way to entertain people, which is what I'm about. But I like doing it through books at the moment for some reason. And um, so I wanted to, I wanted to do it for ages, but I didn't have, I had that beginning. I didn't have a middle or an end. And, yeah. and you know, unlike a memoir, which has, you know, you don't have to make up the story. And also in a memoir, no one expects the plot of the story to be any good. They, they don't even expect an ending. You know, it, I impose a bit of structure on how not to be a boy, but it doesn't have to have, you know, there's yeah. certain things that you, you don't expect in a memoir that you do expect in a novel. 
And so it had to, you know, I suddenly got very worried about balance and symmetry and the structure of it. And then I did the worst thing you possibly could do, uh, which is start to read those fucking books about structure and okay. story and all of that and the five acts and three acts and eight acts and uh, just completely paralyzed myself. And so I didn't, there was, then there was a bit of a gap and then I, there was a spurt in the summer of 2018 and then I, the publisher wanted to see the first half and then idiotically I asked for notes on the first half instead of just writing them. So then I had to go back and fix all that because I was too worried. To, so, you know, it turns out I'm a, when it comes to are you a planner or a to go by the seat of your pantser, yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm a, this was, I, I was a pantser who wished he'd done some planning. <laughs> I don't think it would have made it a better novel, but I would have had a less stressful time yeah, going yeah. literally, I don't know what to fucking do. Yeah, I sort of find those, I and mean, I never really got into reading the books or that. I've, I worked on a sitcom um, that I didn't, re- that I, I didn't do well on and didn't, they didn't use my scripts in the end. But they, everybody who worked on it was very much into understanding where you, where the beat you hit and which part of the sitcom. And I've, I always liked to uh, write everything, really, without knowing where it's... You know, you've got a good idea of what yeah. it is, but you've, you don't know where it's going so that you surprise yourself. But a lot, of, I think that probably does mean you waste a lot more time than someone yeah. who sits down and plans. But I also think it, it gives a feeling of spontaneity. And then, and then you actually can have surprises. Because I, I often feel things that are very plotted out in advance... You can sort of see where it's going because you, because you know how those sort of things work. When they are when they are written to formula, you know how the formula works. Whereas I thought, what, what again I liked about you, but there's a couple of misleads and a couple of misdirections and a couple of really good. There's something that happens one at the end of the middle chapters where you go, oh fuck, that completely changes this whole thing. And then well, again, I won't say what it is, but there's there's a revelation and you think the whole thing's completely changed. Um, and uh, and I thought that was great because that was that really threw me off because I was thinking oh well they said this is going to happen and this is going to happen and then suddenly you go oh no that's changed everything so it's okay. it's uh, I don't know if that me, kind of I'm came really across to you whether that was something you just sort of chanced across I think you probably know what I'm talking I'm about. really pleased to really pleased to hear that if it's if it's the thing I think I, 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 I if it's the thing I think you're talking about then it, that sort of midpoint uh, event yeah. I, I deliberately looked for a surprise to happen at the, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in the middle of the book but but generally that that was really I mean my idea of the structure was <laughs> set it up enjoyably set it up enjoyably set it up enjoyably midpoint <laughs> Wee! I mean that sort of that's it, really. It's, well, because the third part's a kind of—it's like a caper, really. The third, the third part of yeah. it, sort of. So it is sort of three distinct parts, and it's a, a chase and a and a yeah. And a, yeah. yeah I mean, sometimes which I've is lots of fun. Is... It's a lot of you know. It's it's a it's it's sort of different, not different tone. It's still, it, but it's a, it's a it's a different, different direction. Genres. Yeah, yeah. It, it totally jumps genres. I mean, you know, it, it does a thing that you're really not supposed to do at all. And I, <laughs> you know, it was I was trying to get this the the you know because it's grief-stricken, time-travelling rom-com adventure. And so I was trying to get all of this to kind of cohere, and hopefully I have through, just because it's my voice and because I've got an advantage because people know what I sound like, and and, and, and it, certainly people coming to it from How Not To Be A Boy know that voice. Yeah. But also, you know, hopefully because we're, we, we're rooting for, we give a shit about Kate and we want, we want it to be okay for Kate. And so we don't mind that it's, it's, it's doing three different things, but you know, it, it sometimes I thought, Oh, this is a, a quiet little thoughtful book about love and grief and memory. And then at other times I notice it's got a, a punch up and a car chase and it's just clearly, it's just a, a, a writer sitting there going, what would please me next? <laughs> it's just, this is the book I would like to read. And in yeah. fact, this is certainly the book I would like to read in circumstances like this, because it's pure escapism. And um, It really is. And, and you know, honestly, uh, uh, being able to sit down and read a book in a day, uh, it, that was, that's one of my big pleasures. If I'm on holiday... So it's, it's always lovely to research for this show because it often involves stuff like this. But I, I hardly ever get all the way through someone's book just because of time constraints. But that's what on holiday I will sit down and read, yeah, an 80,000 word book in a day, uh, sitting by a pool, you know, having a nice time. Uh, so it is, it's, it's a great thing when you can find a book, certainly when you're a bit stressed and tired yeah. and there's other stuff going on, a book that you can actually lose yourself in. And, and you know, and it does, I think that's, I just think it, it took me back to, university that middle bit and just and the, the and remembering those things again that we were saying you know not having mobile phones and 
uh, the, going to the cash point that doesn't charge you any money. And just like there's, there's, there's good, little, nice observations about how life has, has changed without it being Peter K. Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> do you remember this? But also because they're not, a lot of them aren't even specific. It's like going to a, a, a restaurant that becomes a nightclub, which isn't like a specific thing, but I presume maybe something that you'd experienced in your it, life at some point. It was, no, it was based on, because um, uh, uh, it's set in University of York, and apparently yeah, there yeah. was this Chinese yeah. restaurant by day, which would turn into a disco at night. Right. And uh, I've changed the name slightly, but um, I asked, you know, on Twitter, this uh, University of York alumni um, tell me just, tell me some things and bless them they told me loads of things and, um, <laughs> and why did you choose york as as the university for york because i uh i wanted to be uh, i didn't well firstly i didn't want to do cambridge again because everyone started cambridge including yeah. me but also you i've just really uh, whenever i meet people who are there they just really this is really nice people they're just really <laughs> engaged and wholesome and kind of pleasant and funny and it just gives it i just get a good vibe off the place and i went to uh, i did actually do some genuine research i went on got on the train and actually walked around i also because i wanted a, a proper campus and it's got this lake right, in the middle right. and it's got this kind yeah. of central focus uh so it, it it sort of ticked all those boxes good well you know i'm i'm from uh, york was my second choice university i would quite like to go to york i enjoyed the trip up to i think on the way back I think, try to remember which, which university. There was a university I went to, and it probably was York. I had to stay overnight, and I bought a porn mag uh, and, and had a wink in the, in the bed and breakfast I was in. And I bought some cigarettes on the way home and smoked yeah, in yeah, the yeah. station. And I didn't smoke and I didn't enjoy it. But I, I felt like those two things <laughs> were what <laughs> my. I was still at school. I felt that was. When I'm at university, I'll be able to do that kind of thing. I'll be, I'll be doing this all. I think I'll be doing this all the time. Yeah, that wasn't far from that. Was some choice, I have to say. It was uh, Fiesta magazine. Do you have a Do you have a porn mag of uh, choice? I don't remember. I don't remember there being a one one particular no. one. No. I mean, uh, that's a weird thing, isn't it? That's that's the worst talk about that. Mag, yeah, some... the embarrassment of actually, or the you know, having to slightly tough it out. Yeah. I, d- I remember buying buying something at the same time, and you, uh, I had to get other things at the same time. So this was just sort of thrown in as an afterthought. Yeah. So yeah, the listener and the independent and razzle or what? Yeah. My the drunk women solving crime. The, my wife is one of who's doing a podcast. They were having a conversation last time I came down from something like this, and they were talking about uh, readers' wives. Mag, poem mags that one of them had heard of, but they didn't really understand what it was. Do you remember read, the readers? It was a magazine called Reader, Readers Wise, it but it was also it well, a section. Yeah. So it was just basically, you know, pictures blokes had taken of their wives with their tops off. So it was, it was a it was it was a more realistic look at the female form than uh, than the 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 models, the high class models well, in Fiesta. Very high class I mean, ladies. It's a sad business, Richard. But, you know, who would you tell? Try and tell youngsters about porn mags now. We had, <laughs> I had one. We had one that um, at school. I mean, I pro- probably had sort of two or three porn mags in the entire time I was a teenager. Um, but we had one that we someone had gotten that we shared around at school for. You, know, you were able to keep it for a week, and then you had to yeah, hand it on somebody, to the next. Yeah, day. somebody brought. Somebody would bring yeah. one in and re- try telling the young people about pubic hair, apart from anything else. <laughs> That's true. They wouldn't believe you. It's true. I remember there was a letter in one of them, I still remember, and the guy chanced across his neighbour bathing in the kitchen or something, and uh, he said she had nipples like walnuts. And that's uh, put me off the idea of seeing a breast. Walnuts. Well, nipples like walnuts. That's what it. I remember about them. They were, the letters were the best bit because I can't... I can, No, they shouldn't what be. The, the pictures should be the best bit because I can't visualise... I don't know. I don't know what's going on with my with my mind, um, but uh, let's have a. I'll ask you some emergency questions. Do you think you would have made a good sheriff in the Wild West? No, um, <clears throat> I think I'd have been a very cowardly sheriff, and I think I'd have allowed all of the cowboys or gunslingers to more or less do what they like. Okay. Uh, I'd have been a peripatetic sheriff. I'd have had to move from town to town. <laughs> <laughs> Go, you know, riding away from all the angry townsfolk who would be very distressed by how inadequate I've been in my sheriffing duties. Yeah, I think I probably would be similar. 
Do you reckon you could you could shoot a baddie if you had to, if you had a gun? With training. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, let me have a look. Uh, how obsessive are you about your bins? I've become even more obsessed about my bins in lockdown. It's. Uh, Is it your I, job? I, the I bins. Don't know if it's one of the things I've become more obsessive about. It, I, I, I quite enjoy. The boring answer is because I'm. This is all healed up now. I'm yeah. quite enjoying being able to do the nice gendered, lovely gendered male jobs okay. like the bins. And I'm, yeah, I did go through a period of feeling slightly emasculated that it, Abby, my wife, had to do the bins. Now it's yeah. great that I can do the bins again. So I feel like I've got a penis back. And, uh, yeah, so I'm quite enjoying the bins. Yeah, I don't like anyone touching my bins, but I, 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 when the jobs are di- divvied up, I've, I've, I now do the kitchen floor, and I quite like cleaning the kitchen floor. And I feel quite insulted if my wife even lays a hoover on the kitchen floor now, because that's my territory. In fact, it's pretty much the kitchen. I think the kitchen is mine. Um, for cleaning, the bins are there and the dishwasher's there, and those are my main useful jobs, I would say. I'm very disappointed in lockdown that, that we're no longer... We don't have a food... Do you have a food bin in northwest Hampstead? We do have a food bin, yeah, but we have, we have a, a thing... We don't have a... Well, I think... Hang on. Actually, I think other people, because I've seen it, yeah. I've seen it, other people have a little caddy yeah, that they have caddy. inside, uh, but we don't... We've missed the bus somehow. Okay. We never got that when the little caddy van so came around. So do? we've just got... A, we've got a brown bin. Okay. So we use a plastic bag and empty all the shit into that is quite a smelly job yeah. all the shit into the brown food waste bin outside i thought you might have to carry uh, all your food waste in your hands out to the bin man when he came just we my, haven't got the my naked arms yes. i just go out there but we have to put our food waste in the normal bin now because of because of the coronavirus it's cutbacks right. i'm furious it's, it's one of the saddest i've putting food in the bin makes me feel quite sick now because, you know, you used to think that's going off to some new life, probably a restaurant that turned into your food. Ca- your council isn't doing waste no, food collection? They stopped it pretty oh, much shit. immediately, yeah. Oh, blimey. That's how bad things okay. have got in uh, Hertfordshire. It's, it's like Ooh, a fucking jungle list. out here, mate. OK, we're all right in Camden so far. <laughs> in the Bronx. Uh, I'll do one more emergency. What else have I got emergency question-wise? Is there another new one I want to give you, or should I give you an old one? Let me have a look. Um, oh, this one because you haven't got you, your audio book hasn't been. You will there will be an audio book of, of this book, won't there? There will be. Yeah, no, we didn't. It's, um, uh, it didn't get recorded before. It all got locked down, and nobody wants to do it. At I'll, home, do it. So. I'll do it. I can put on a girl's voice. Hello, I'm Kate. Hello, hello, like, my name's Kate. I, and I've got boobs. I like traveling in time and <laughs> and making men take their tops. And that is actually that is actually the first sentence. <laughs> I, I just Hello, my name's Kate. I've got boobs. <laughs> That's how you can tell it's a lady. I think you know, well. You're not going to read your own audio book, which is probably the right decision because it's a yeah. it's large about a, a, a female person. Um, <clears throat> but if you through history, if you could get, I mean, I really enjoy listening to the author reading audio books. Have to say, if they're a good, if they're a perform, which many of them are. Um, if you could have any book that hasn't been made into an audio book because of you know histo- history or just read by the author from any time in history, but it can be recent history, who would you like to hear read their own books that you can't get because they're dead? Or... Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. It, uh, I'm only going to answer it with a sketch, which was that uh, Dave and I did a sketch once for, for the radio show, which is about um, uh, <laughs> recently found, uh, never heard before, uh, audio files of, um, of Tennyson reading... Um, Charged with the light brigade, and we have these sort of two strokey beardy intellectuals saying, "And now, for the first time, <laughs> we're going to listen to Alfred Cortez reading cannons to the left of them, cannons to the right of them." Oh, there we go. And it, was, it sounds quite camp. Um, so I've always liked the idea of like what Thomas Hardy actually sounded. I yeah. think. There is the recording of Hardy, is uh, but yeah. you, you you can only go so far back, obviously, of what yeah. they actually sounded like. Sometimes they have, they do have quite squeaky voices. Yeah, but often it's like there's a kind of so you know. That's very good. That was very good. That was a bit like the guy in Police Academy. It was that level. It's one of my many skills. Just that one impression I can do. Um, hey, look! What is that? Do you know what's going to happen? I mean, you're going to take a bit of a rest anyway, over the because there's a virus going on, and you don't want to yeah. get that. 
Uh, yeah. If you back, will be coming back when back you get those when, last three once, scenes done. Once it's deemed sensible for a film crew to stand around quite close to each other, filming a last bit of a sitcom. Yeah. Once that's allowed, we'll do that at the first opportunity. But um, God, I mean, just God knows. But I'm, I'm not. Um, I'll start thinking about the next book. But yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not going to shit myself uh, if it doesn't happen over the next fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> and is it, and has your near death experience given you a new perspective on life, or have you slipped back into just thinking out? Oh, you have to slip back in. I mean, we're not built to constantly go around going, "Oh my God, look, <laughs> the, the colours are so marvellous!" Oh, oh, the greenness of the shirt and the woodness of the wood. Uh, you can't, you can't do that. So mm. I, no, I, I look, I've enjoyed slipping straight back into complacency because yeah. that's that's the normal. That, that's when you know you're alive when you <laughs> totally when you totally take it for granted. Well, that is the most profound thing we've ever had on this podcast. I'm delighted to have that. Uh, thanks so much for talking to me, Robert. It's been a delight as always. Uh, good luck. Stay safe out there. And Thanks everyone, buy your wonderful book. It, I got it on uh, Kindle. You can, don't even have to go out to get it. You can get it downloaded onto your device or you can you know, get it delivered to your house and risk the coronavirus sleeping. Just Imagine quarantine, me. quarantine for 24 hours and you're fine. Yeah, we've got a little system like that where we leave packages in the in the sort of... It's not exactly a uh, pattern. Those it's just like a little room outside of our whether everything comes in. We leave, we leave it in there for a week and then it's all right, isn't it? Yeah. But you know, or spray it. It'd be like, would you feel bad if well, your book being delivered someone well, killed I'm them with the with coronavirus? The people spraying, washing, and, and rubbing and dabbing my book. <laughs> Dab me. <laughs> So just give it a wipe before you read it, which would be my advice if you get the poor mag. If you get the poor mag that me and my friends were handing around in the 1980s, give that a wipe before you read it as well. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Robert Ware, thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much, Rich. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Robert Webb. Thank you to Pest for playing this music. Even in the heart of the virus, they will not give up playing. They love music so much. I would very much like to thank Chris Evans, not that one, for all his help in assisting me in getting these going. I would like to thank everyone at Zoom and Zencaster and OBS and Twitch for making it so easy to use all your wonderful stuff. I would also like to thank my mum and dad and everyone who knows me. Uh, we are indebted to our executive producer, who this week is Innis. Just that, Innis. We called him Anus on the set, just as a funny pun on his name. He didn't like it, and uh, it was quite rude. Um, we all got sacked because he was executive producer. Um, I would also like to thank Catherine McKeegan, who runs the extra, excellent Rahalastapa.com website, which is very useful for research purposes for me in remembering what I have asked people before. Worth a look if you're obsessed with Rahalastapa, Rahalastapa. Uh, this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production for the internet.